0: we pray today that you'd be with us. You'd speak to us as we continue to look through the book of Hebrews, that you would, you would help us to, to really grow deeper. And God, that you would do amazing things in us and through us as we seek you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are in the book of Hebrews, and we are in chapter 9. We've been going kind of one chapter at a time. Uh, Today we're going to speed up a little bit and go through chapter 9 and half of chapter 10. But we've been going through the entire book of Hebrews, and this has been one of those things that we've been challenging you to kind of read along with us, to engage in a deeper way. The book of Hebrews is a pretty theologically deep book. It's got a lot of different nuances and things that it deals with. But, you know, when we really dig deeper, when we go another level and kind of like beyond the surface types of things, um, we we can get to a different place. And so I hope it's been something that's been helpful for you, and I encourage you to kind of continue to think about that today as we are growing deeper, reaching higher, and growing deeper. I forgot the taglines for the series. Okay, I got get to the, get the slogans right. But... Um, what we have talked about thus far, and it's kind of the book of Hebrews has been really helpful for me even, tying the Old Testament and New Testament together, understanding how, they, how God has been doing this and preparing the way since the beginning of time and developing these things together and kind of been moving. And in the book of Hebrews, it explains how Jesus is greater and Jesus is fulfilling what was already kind of marked out earlier on in the Old Testament. All All the things that went before was just foreshadowing and preparing the way for Jesus. And Jesus is greater than all of the other things that came before, like the priests and the sacrifice and all of those things, because those were just images of what was to come. But through Jesus, he is the great high priest, the one who... Um, All the rituals and all of the procedures and things that what they could not accomplish, Jesus did accomplish. Because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. And Jesus was God among us. And so where previously there was rituals and ceremonies that took place and there was other high priests and symbols that they used to kind of like get close to God. uh, Hebrews 9.10 says this. They are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations, applying until the time of the new order. And that's where we really left off last week, is it's talking about all the things that went before were just, were kind of, were ceremony. But when Jesus came... It was it was something that was pointing to something new and something greater, something with substance behind it. Because we we recognize that a ceremony is only powerful if there's substance behind it, right? I I have uh, gotten the opportunity to officiate many many weddings. And I and every single time I sit down and plan it with people, they start going and talking about we're going to be at this venue. This is the colors and this is what we're doing. And then like there's going to be the the cake is going to be unbelievable and there's going to be this and all of this stuff. And I'm always like, "Uh, okay, I don't really care. Um, But but I always say the same speech to them. And I I tell a couple as they're getting prepared, I say, you know what? It's wonderful that you're preparing for a ceremony. Please give more effort, though, to your marriage than the ceremony of your marriage. Please. Okay? So let's talk about those things. And that's how I pastorally shift it away from, like, I don't want to hear about the colors of your wedding. Okay, but, but isn't it crazy that people sometimes can get consumed with ceremony and miss the substance? And many times in the church world, this has taken place where there's pomp and circumstance and ritual and all this stuff. And that is really where where religion becomes the religion side. The the side that is kind of like the cold, like kind of uh, structured, all of this stuff, and doesn't compel our hearts. And that's what Hebrews has been challenging us. It's saying all of this stuff before, there was a purpose for it. There was a meaning for it. There was ceremony behind it. But there's something of substance that kind of made it all make sense. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. And you have to recognize that. And the substance was Jesus. And so um, whenever couples are spending $30,000 or more on a wedding, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I got married in uh, Oklahoma at my wife's home church, and then we used like uh, the Catholic Hall for our reception. It was like three grand in and out, and we were done. It was (laughs) wonderful. Uh, But I'm bragging a little bit now, right? That is bragging. Um, But what I'm saying, man, wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if people invested the same amount of time and energy in the substance? Don't get caught in the ceremony, Remember the substance, right? Okay, little life lesson. Little uh, life lesson for uh, those girls who haven't got married yet, okay? Remember that. Put 30, 000, Go do a $1,000 wedding. Put $30,000 in the bank. Are you kidding me? Okay, all right. I, I'll get off of that subject. I'm sorry. Um, but Hebrews 9.15 says and explains it further. For this reason, Christ is the mediator ...of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance... ...now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, something new, something greater... ...something that the Bible kind of laid the groundwork for... But this something that is new is he died as a ransom to set people free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And to in many ways set people free from some of the ceremony of the first covenant. And this, this, this line here is a powerful one. It's saying he died as a ransom. That's a pretty powerful word right there, right? Right? A ransom. And this is how spiritual I am. When I read through this, the thing that popped into my mind, please don't judge me. You know what? Never mind. The vote is over. You already voted me in as pastor, so it doesn't matter. But this is this deep spiritual thing that came to mind when I read the word ransom. It, it brought me back to an old Seinfeld episode. Very spiritual. Uh, where where uh, Jerry Seinfeld was calling in a fake ransom to the New York Yankees, very plausible uh, storyline, and was calling it in to get his friend out of the building because he was like hiding in the building. I won't get, you know what, we should just watch the whole episode. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but he, he called in this fake ransom, and he called in and he said, uh, yeah, I'm a terrorist bomber, you need to clear out the building or whatever. And the, the plan wasn't well thought out, and so the response back was well, what do you want for your ransom? And he was like, oh, I didn't think about that that far. Because a ransom is to get something, right? A ransom is there's a purpose behind it. You've never seen a movie plot where somebody goes to all these elaborate schemes to like, you know, hold somebody hostage. And in the end, they're like, why did you hold them hostage? Well, I just didn't have anything to do this weekend. So that's why I didn't know they they do that for something because they're trying to like they're trying to get something out of this and this is a part that I want to hone in on today that that this is that this was a ransom payment that this was something that meant something there was a reason for it and it did cost a lot and Sometimes maybe we forget that. We forget that in our time. But Hebrews 9 and 10 hones in on this idea of true sacrifice. And that Jesus was that ransom payment for all of us. We're going to pick it up. And I'm not going to read the rest of chapter 9. Encourage you to read it on your own. But chapter 9 kind of goes into some of the details around what the priests would do. Some of those ceremonies that they would do. But in verse 27, we're going to pick it up and we're going to read through um, chapter uh, or half of chapter 10. Hebrews nine twenty-seven says this. Just as people were destined to die once and after that to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time. Not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the reality themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifice, repeatedly, endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, uh, would they not have stopped being offered... For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sin. So I want to pause just for a second. What it's saying is, is previously in the old covenant, they had to bring sacrifices over and over and over because it wasn't sufficient. And they had to do it over because it really ultimately wasn't sufficient for finally covering their sins. It wasn't a sufficient ransom in one regard. But it was saying it was a reminder, an annual reminder. And that's what verse 3 says, an annual reminder of their sins. It was something that they would regularly and know, I am someone that has sinned, and this is something that costs something. It's a sacrifice. Something has to... Uh, be sacrificed on behalf of my sin. So that was the annual reminder. Going on to verse 4. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrificing and sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First, he said, sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And so it's talking. Let me pause there for a moment. It's great. It quotes some scripture and then explains it a little bit. And it talks about how uh, all through the Old Testament, even though they offered these sacrifices, the Bible has this odd thing. It says that's not really what I want. Why did Christ have, or why did God have them go through all of this? Because it was pointing to Jesus. And it was pointing them to that. And it was that annual reminder. However, the blood of bulls and goats, does that really save people? And it's saying not really. It's not really it. That really can't do it. But what it was trying to point people to is something deeper. Something bigger, a spiritual ceremony was trying to point them to substance, point them to God, that sacrifice had to happen as a result of sin. So we continue on. Verse 11. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts. I will write them on their minds. That's a verse that's been repeated a few times in the book of Hebrews, a a key theme in the book. And then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these things have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. So so it's such a, a, a critical question and something that we ask on a regular basis, uh, you know, in different ways or formats, is, is sometimes we, we might ask the question and even cry out to God in moments that we're going through difficulty, God, why is there pain? Why is there difficulty? Why is there struggle that we have to go through? Why do we have to face all of these things? This past week, I was at camp with a group of kids, and we were having discussions every night after our services, and this question came up. It's a great question, an intuitive question, one that we would all like an answer to from God. You would say, why do we have to endure pain? God, why did you allow all this to happen? And you know what? Ultimately, my answer to these 12- these and 13-year-olds was, I'm sorry, but I don't know. But this is one thing I do know. I do know something about human nature. I know something about human nature, and it's this. I know that if life is perfectly easy and simple, and there's no sacrifice that has to be made, we are not very grateful. Like, for instance, if like just somebody just like, just gave you a car just gave you a car for free and you didn't have to do anything for it my guess is that car after a while it probably it have a have a few mcdonald's wrappers it would just kind of be worn down it's something that never cost you anything if you spent a year saving for a car picking out a car like the perfect one it took you like years time overtime sacrifice all of this stuff for like you to get that when you got that car that's that's your baby right and you take care of it there's something about human nature that this is true and it's something that i think god of course knows about us and this doesn't solve the entire question about pain and suffering and i'm not getting into that necessarily here but what i'm saying is is that there is something that is important that we don't lose or miss and that sacrifice is a part of everything that is really, really valuable. We know that intuitively with anything in our life. If you want to be great at a particular sport, you have to decide, I'm putting other things aside. I'm putting aside, like maybe other hobbies that I like to do. I'm putting aside maybe some of my leisure time. And I'm really going to focus, and I'm going to engage, and I'm going to be great at this thing. And I'm going to sacrifice for it. And I'm going to give something for it. And that, really, ultimately, in the end, when you achieve something that you sacrifice for and worked for, and struggled through, that is one of the most satisfying things in life. Sometimes we think that it would be wonderful if we got everything we ever wanted for free. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But ultimately, I think in some ways, we'd be kind of miserable. There'd be nothing to fight for. Nothing to pursue. Nothing to go after. And it's so interesting that the statistics show that people sometimes, right after they retire, they go into a time of depression. Because they've spent their life doing something that matters and they're passionate and they're good about, they're good at, and they move into a time where it's like, alright, I've been working my whole life for this moment and then all of a sudden I'm like, what do I do with myself? And... And, and 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 do I still have a purpose? See, every person in life needs to know what it costs. Needs to know that there's something behind it, and there's effort and there's strain and there's all of these things. And you need to know that, or else you'll have never you'll never have an appreciation for where you've come. And there's something. To that here in the scripture. And something that is is easy to be lost in our time and our place. Is that there was an incredible sacrifice paid on your behalf. Incredible sacrifice. That God came to earth and humbled himself and put himself in human flesh. And gave up his life on the cross. This was what God did for us. This is what God did for us. And this is like the sacrifice, the ransom that was paid on your behalf. And so in previous times in history, you would never forget that because you would do the ceremonies and the sacrifices, and it would cost you something. But now it's easy to slip into a time of kind of lax. And it's kind of can be like a time in an era that we live in Where it's almost like instead of us being the person that like earned and built a business and then earned all of this, you know, reward as a result, we're the second generation and we're the ones that just inherited it. And we just, we just got it. And Christ died for our sins and I heard it when I was four. And so, all right, that's nice to have kind of in the bank and just like, all right, what do I get to go down and get dunked in water? Sounds like fun. I'm all set. That's easy. That's simple. And that's it. But we have to recognize the context of where this comes from. That there was an incredible sacrifice paid. There was an incredible sacrifice that was paid on our behalf. At camp this past week, uh, I was, again, we were talking and hanging out with some of these kids and We got done with like three hours of free time where they had ropes course and sports tournaments and activities and all this stuff. And there was a little bit of criticism going around, kind of warranted, and I passed it on a little bit uh, to the leaders. But they were like, you know, they didn't let us do this at free time and I wish they had this game open and this and that. And and I just had to stop them for a second. Stop. Okay, listen. So you're telling me that you got the entire week To play games, have awesome food, have this whole camp environment. You got a chance to spend the entire week doing all this stuff. But it wasn't open long enough, so let's focus on that. I mean, don't we do that sometimes? We do that sometimes. like, we're like, man, yeah, God offers salvation, forgiveness for our sins. Yeah, God offers eternal life for us, free, if we confess our sins before him, if we accept him into our life, but, but I got these other things in my life that are, that are a little bit difficult. How whiny does that sound? You, you, you see what I'm saying a little bit? That like, I had to pause with those kids for a second, and they kind of laughed about it, and they were great about it. I said... This is a wonderful place. You better focus on all the great things and the opportunity that you had. Because if you can't have fun at camp, you just can't have fun, right? And if you can't be grateful for the forgiveness that God offers you for free, then you just can't be grateful. Really? Right? This is profound and it should be life-changing. And it should be something that we gain an incredible, incredible appreciation for. And we need to recognize regularly the sacrifice that went in for this. What happened? What the result of it was? Um, This coming week, we have our, uh, or in a week, we have our kids camp. And as we're planning, we want to make it available to as many people as possible and invite anybody out. And we're planning, and we're like, hey, let's make sure it's free of charge, and we do all this. But I stopped the group as we were planning, and I said, hang on. I don't care if the church loses money or we spend money on this event, but we need to put a registration fee on the kids coming. It needs to be like 5 bucks or 10 and they're like, "No, we don't. We want to make it free. We don't want anybody to like not come." And I'm like, "No, trust me. I've done like 20 of these kids weeks, okay? And if you say it's free, here's what happens: 50 people will sign up, and 20 people will show up. That's what will happen. And if you say five bucks, ten bucks, which isn't very much money, everybody who signed up, they will show up." Because they paid something for, isn't that a, a weird thing? And I told him, I said, if anybody says anything about the fee, just don't even worry about it. We're not going to ask anybody about it. If if somebody never pays, not a big deal. I don't care about any of that. However, I know how people work, and this is how we work. If it costs you anything, it means something. Let me tell you this: it costs something. Your salvation costs something. And you cannot forget that. It costs something. And don't ever just fall into the temptation of thinking because it just seems so simple, it seems so easy, seems like it's not a big deal, that it's free. I'm a lot of winner. It's I, I didn't have to do anything for it. No, it costs something. And that's that's what the scripture says. And ultimately in the end. The conclusion of the matter. The conclusion of the matter. Is the last few verses in the, it, that I read. Is it says in Hebrews 10.17. 17, their sins and lawless acts. I will remember them no more. There is no longer any sacrifice. For sin that's required. These are the things. Sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. The, the tone of that. Shouldn't be. Like, great, I got out of it. They're, they're not going to remember it anymore. I don't have to do sacrifices anymore. Yeah, I got out of it. The tone of that should be this the tone should be, and God, my sins and lawless acts, you remember no more. It should break our heart and be profoundly something that changes us. Are you kidding me? I don't even have to, I don't have to offer sacrifices because it's finished. And it's done. And so the powerful message that is trying to convey and trying to make sure that we don't forget is all that has gone before all of the acts, all of the things that have happened to lead up to the moment in time where we can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And that's it. The God of the universe offers us salvation. It almost seems like it's unfair. Sometimes maybe people are kind of like, I don't buy it. Just say the prayer, that's, all, that, that's it, no strings attached. Really? Doesn't cost anything? And some people have said, kind of, eh, doesn't matter that much. Don't forget the sacrifice. The question that we should ask when confronted with this and fully seeing the full context of what the scripture is saying is God, what should I give? What do I need to sacrifice? What, how should I respond? How should I give back? How should I pass this forward? How should I serve and give because I've been given so much? And the scripture tells us this over and over, the theme of to whom much is given, much is required. It's Jesus, not Abraham Lincoln or Spider-Man. It's Jesus. It's when you've been given an incredibly good gift how do you respond do you respond with kind of like apathy and like you know just kind of like that's the way it is or do you respond with a heart that is transformed and broken and saying I want to give back God thank you that you remember my sins no more will you pray with me God, what a beautiful thing. And thank you so much for the, for the depth of discussion in the book of Hebrews. Where we, we get kind of the fuller context, the fuller understanding, all, the, all kind of that backstory and the history of what has brought us to this point. God, we don't forget. We don't forget what has gone on before us. That there was a sacrifice made on our behalf. And so God, fully knowing that and understanding that, I pray that our hearts would be transformed. That we wouldn't just, we wouldn't live a life that is trying to just like make up for what we can never make up for. We could never pay the ransom for our sins with our own effort or our own acts. But God, instead, that our hearts would just be overflowing with gratitude. And that we would just be in awe, saying, God, I can't believe it. That you offered us grace, forgiveness, eternal life. That the God of the universe cares about me and wants a relationship with me, God, we don't take that lightly. And God, we worship you and praise you that our sins and lawless acts will be remembered no more God what a gift so as we lead into our time of communion I encourage you to reflect on the sacrifice that has been made on your behalf and think about how do you respond to that? How should your life be different as a result of the incredible things that have been done on your behalf? The gift that has been offered. What should your attitude be towards God? In return, what do you want your life to be about? God, hear our prayers. Help us never to grow cold to the message of the gospel of the cross. Help it never to be something that has just just happened in the distant past and is no big deal. God, help it to be something that moves our hearts. God, it's because you love us. We know that. Hear our prayers right now, we pray.